What's up, you guys? Welcome to episode 23 of Talk Healing to Me. I'm your host, Christina Nicolai, and this podcast is all about finding purpose in your pain, whatever painful experiences you've been through, and finding purpose through them, finding your power through them. And in this episode, I speak to Nika Veseli. She is a singer, songwriter, producer, just an overall like ray of light. And she's like a go-getter. This episode, we talk more than just about her music career. We talk about what she went through having a strict Albanian father and how she learned to live life on her own terms. And I know that a lot of clients I've spoken to are still dealing with the fears of what their father will do or say or if they don't follow their rules. And this might give you some insight. It's not advice. It's just someone else's story that might inspire you. So it's not telling you to do a certain thing or not do a certain thing, but it might inspire you listening to her words and listening to her story. And not just when it comes to her family, but her music and the leaps that she's taken in life that a lot of people would be afraid to take, but she's the type of person that just says she's going to do something and she does it. Like she also started this beautiful picnic business in New York where she sets up these gorgeous picnics in parks and I didn't even know she was doing that. I just saw it pop up after we did this episode. It's called Picnic with Passion on Instagram and I'm like, dang, this girl never stops, dude. So she is amazing and I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. So let's just get into it. Hi, Nika. Hi. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for reaching out and asking me to do it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, it's actually funny how I found you. I was on TikTok. I don't know if I told you this already, but I was on TikTok and I, you know, that guy that, that obviously, you know, anyone who's listening, if you know that guy, I don't remember his name on TikTok, but he stops people in the middle of New York and then asks them what their favorite meal is. And then he makes it for them and he brings it to them. Yeah. Um, and he stopped you and someone sent it to me and you I think you asked for chivop. Yeah. <laughs> and then he made it and he brought it back. And you were singing in Central Park. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I did that last summer, yep. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And and then I followed you on Instagram. And it turns out that one of that your sister follows me and we like chat yeah. back and forth all the time on Instagram. And I don't know, it just felt like kismet. And then I saw on your page that you're also spiritual. So I was like, all right, I want to I want to interview this girl. There was a post or something I saw that made me really want to. I don't remember what it was, but now we're here. That's why we're here. <laughs> well, I love it because I actually didn't know that you found me off TikTok and I didn't oh, know. Really? That you thought, no, I didn't know that. So that's pretty crazy because I don't know why, but I feel like I thought that I followed you first I, I like could have swore that I did but maybe I'm maybe I forgot but I thought a whole different story I thought that I found you from my sister because she was like oh look at this cool girl she does jujitsu and like and then I remember like I, I like saw a couple of your posts or I think my sister shared a few of your posts because uh -huh. we're really into like the you know holistic scene and like just like healing and all that and you post a lot of stuff about healing 
And um, she shares a lot of your stuff that I think I seen. And then I clicked on your post and then I saw your page and I was like, oh, I was like, I like her vibe. I was like, I want to follow her. Um, I could have swore that's that, but I have no idea. But, you know, I guess, like you said, it's Kismet, you know, <laughs> so maybe you did find me on Instagram. <laughs> I saw you on TikTok. Maybe you found. Yeah, maybe that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, I know this girl or I saw her. <laughs> but um, I wanted to bring you on and just learn more about you. Like when I bring people on the podcast, I don't do too much research because I like to learn with my audience. So. Tell me about yourself, how you got into singing in Central Park and like, because a lot of people would be so scared to do that, to put themselves out there and share. Yeah, their people have gifts. So gift. definitely the sharing part um, is the scary part. The singing in Central Park, that's a whole story in itself. Um, I actually. I. So it was something I always wanted to do living in New York, growing up in New York, you know, especially like, you know, I didn't live in the city my whole life. I actually grew up, I was born in Brooklyn. We lived in the Bronx for a little bit and then we moved to Long Island and that's kind of where we settled, um, mm -hmm. which is the suburbs. And so when I got a little older, I started working in the city and I would like, you know, started with restaurants and I would take the train back and forth. And I would like, you know, you know, you start to love it because you're like, oh, it's New York City. Who doesn't love New York City? Right. But you're seeing all these crazy street performers and, you know, and I loved singing and I love performing. And I would see all these singers and artists just like doing their thing right on the sidewalk or like right in the subway or and I would always be like, I have to do that one day. Like, I just want to do that so bad like that because it takes so much courage to do something like that. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was so amazing. So my for years and years, I always had it in the back of my mind that one day that was going to be a bucket list thing that I just want to go out and like sing in public. Um, but I never actually like mustered up the courage to do it. I didn't even know where to begin with it. So for years, you know, I focused on music. I made covers. I did a lot of, you know, stuff online. Um, excuse me, but I never like actually went out and did it. And then we moved to, I actually ended up getting engaged and, um, well, I started dating my husband and then he was from Queens. So I started moving towards the city. Um, I lived in Queens for like seven years with him. And then we finally moved to Manhattan, which was crazy. Um, so we did that during the pandemic. It's been three years now that we've been there. So being in the city, we were like a few blocks away from Central Park. I have, the, you know, everything is close to me. So I started being exposed to even more street performers, seeing even more stuff. And one day I was, you know, it was, I started getting to a point where I was like, I really need to, I want to do this. Like, I don't know, something was just like, you need to go out and perform. And also during the pandemic, just side note, it was really hard for people who sing because, you know, you couldn't just book like venues and stuff. Like nobody was doing that. Everybody had to basically stop like performing. And um, so I was like, how am I going to start doing shows right now? Like I, I put out two songs. I was like, I kind of want to like start doing shows, but I'm like, I don't have a band. I don't have anything to start with, you know, and I'm kind of a one man show when it comes to music. I do everything myself. I produce my own music. I, I write it. I built a studio. I taught myself how to produce watching YouTube videos. Um, I released all my music myself. I do all my PR stuff myself, my marketing, everything. So I don't have anyone helping me. I mixed and mastered everything. Um, it was, it it was a lot. Those, those like, okay, so I heard you say I didn't have a band or anything. I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. And a lot of times people let those thoughts, those limiting thoughts, stop them from taking action. But you didn't. You found. Yeah. Way to do it with limited oh I, 
hundred percent. And it was crazy. Like I knew it was something I was going to do, but I was just like, how do I do it without having all of that? Right. Having all the flashy stuff. So I'm like, and I don't, I mean, I play instruments here and there, but I, I can't play an instrument and sing. I probably could teach myself too, but I'm just doing so many things now. I'm like, it's, it's a, that's a, you know, when I see people play instruments and sing, I'm like, oh my God, that is awesome. You know, cause I can do either one, but I can't do it together for some reason. So it's pretty cool. Um, but that was another thing. I'm like, okay, there's another weakness of mine. So what do I do? So one day we just, my friends came to the city. They were like, oh, let's go, let's go walk through Central Park. It was early springtime last year. And uh, it was like actually around this time last year. And they're like, let's, let's go do a day where we walk in the park and just like, go like, maybe go grab something to eat and just like explore the city. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we were like walking through Central Park and we ended up at the Bethesda Fountain. And that's like one of the main like parts of the park. It's like one of the, the most famous parts. Um, so I go there and I see like, it's like you got the fountain in the middle and then there's like a circle around and, but it's like really like wide scale, right? Like really far from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so on one side, there's a performer on the other side, there's a performer. There's another, yeah. on the other side, there's another performer. They're all within the, like you could see each other, but you can't hear each other because you're yeah. like so far away. So I'm like, wow, this is a really good spot. And everyone's just hanging out, vibing out. There's like little crowds of people watching. Mm-hmm. Um, there's kids playing. There's just so much going on in that little space. And I'm just like, I want to be here. Like something was like, I need to come here tomorrow and like do this. And I, I seen one of the performers, they just had like, um, they had like a little amp and they were, they had an iPad and they were just like, I kind of looked at their setup and I'm like, I could do that. Like, that's not too hard. Like I just need an, I already have a microphone. I'm like, I just need like a nice amp that I could, you know, one that, you know, doesn't need to be plugged in because I needed something that, you know, you could like portably charge. Um, so I started brainstorming and I even told my friends, I'm like, I should be doing this. And they were like, yeah, that would be a good idea. Why don't you do this? Like you live right here. I wasn't employed technically. So I was like, I'm not doing anything anyway. I'm working on music. Might as well go out and like, and try it and see what mm-hmm. happens. And initially my, my whole thing wasn't even like, oh, make money. That wasn't even my first thought about it. I thought, okay, to be honest, it, I mean, for anyone who's a street performer listening to this, like, I apologize, but I think a lot of people think that street performers, I don't know, I never thought that a street performer was making like a crazy amount of money. Like I thought, okay, we're doing tips, right? Um, (laughs) So yeah, basically, I don't know if it was just me, but I was making really good money. Like the first day I went out there, I made like $300 in like three hours. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't even make this sitting at an office, you know, sitting at a desk nine to five like this is amazing so that's kind of what made me keep going it, I mean not that it was just the money but I'm like oh you know I could be I could be saving some money and I could this is like a job this is great you know <laughs> like so that kind you have to talk to someone or can you just just do it like do you is so it like with, legal with New York City there are like all these there are a lot of the laws are very it's it, they're kind of like all over the place like the general rule is like you're not supposed to be the general rule is you're allowed to busk, but you're not allowed to use an amplified device. To, to So what I was doing was technically illegal, but in that specific area, which I found later on, because I started getting to know all these other buskers that were busking there and we kind of became friends because you kind of, I kind of jumped into the schedule, even though there's no written schedule, mm-hmm. there's certain people who come at certain times. So you have to know, like, and you got to respect each other's like schedule, you know, <laughs> it's really interesting. I don't even know. So I, busker. Yeah, it's. It's so interesting. So um, 
Wow, I have a lot to talk about this. That's so funny that you even brought this up because I'm like, this is a great topic. <laughs> oh, it is. It's very inspiring. There's so many amazing things. And when I get into stories, like things that have that happened to me while I did it, it was it's 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 crazy, which we're gonna get into that. But um sorry, I feel like I'm going off on a tangent. Okay. So back to like the why I started and how I started. So I went with my friends. They were like, you should do this one day. That's when I started brainstorming. And I finally like, you know, researched and I said, I went online. I tried to find the right amps. I YouTube is a big thing for me. Like I YouTube helped me so much in my life. Like I think YouTube is one of the most out there for people because mm -hmm. you're relating to actual people who are trying things. So you're like, oh, okay, let's see if this person, how, how did this person review this? Or how did they do this? And like, you kind of learn like from other human beings and it's all this free information. So mm -hmm. I love using YouTube for everything. And I, I went on YouTube and I was like, looking up buskers in New York city, like getting in trouble. Like, is it very, like, are the tickets high? Then I started looking into like the government websites and like, is it okay for me to do this? Am I going to get arrested? Like, you know, mm -hmm. making sure I have all the information before I start going out there and doing it. Cause it's kind of scary. Like, you're like, Oh my God, like, am I going to get arrested? Am I going to like sing one song and someone's going to come and cuff me? Like, yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, and then, uh, you know, it's so many questions when you're first starting to do something. So, and then the other side was what's going to be, what's going to be my setup? Like, how am I going to set myself up? So I looked up like a few like setups of how other people did it. And I was like, okay, well, I, I'm going to get, I already had like this little rug. So I, I brought this rug with me. I would roll it up in my backpack. So I bought a rolling, um, I bought a rolling uh, luggage that fit the amp because the amp was like a cute little small amp that was chargeable and it lasted about six hours. Mm -hmm. um, so I would take, I would charge it every night. Uh, then for music, right? Cause it was the way beginning. Now I know a lot more, <laughs> but it was my first time doing it. So I was like, how am I going to like find like karaoke tracks to play? Like, you know, I didn't know that you could actually buy them. Now I know that that's totally different. But what I was doing was I was using my phone. I brought my iPad and I bought a stand for my iPad and I would play, I created a playlist on my notes with YouTube links to the songs that I liked. Mm -hmm. And I created like a whole set list of songs. Like I spent the whole weekend just sitting there singing songs and figuring out which YouTube karaoke tracks work with my voice. And I would copy and paste like the links and I put, I put them in like a notes, like, you know, like notes on like a iPad. Um, I put like a list of them and I just, I would just click th through them and sing them, which is like not the easiest way to do it. But that's the way I did it when I first started. Um, How long would you be out there? Uh, I would be out there for like three to four hours. Oh, wow. And did, oh, you, yeah. did you have any thoughts of like, because obviously the way you're even talking about it, I can feel like the passion coming through. Like, do you feel like how do I ask this question? Are there, are you like this with everything? Like, are you just like a go-getter and you get stuff? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I am <laughs> like, okay. not, I, I mean, I don't want to say that I'm like, I don't want to say that I don't procrastinate because listen, I'm human. There's times that I procrastinate. I'm not always, but there's one thing, like if you would ask anybody that knows me, like what's one quality about Danica, they would say, she is super organized. She is, she gets things done. Like even my family knows that about me since I was a kid, if I wanted to do something, I did it, you know? Um, so that's definitely something that I think I've always had in me. I don't really let people stop me. Um, you know, growing up with my, I had a very, like, um, my dad was very, like, I, I, I mentioned that with you a little bit, but like my dad was like very strict, very, very typical Albanian, 
mm-hmm. old school, you know, didn't want, you know, treated the girls and boys differently, super, super protective, sheltered us to the max. And I really challenged him my whole life, you know, like, <laughs> it was, it was hard, but you know, I was scared my whole, for most of my childhood, I was terrified of my dad, mm-hmm. you know? And it wasn't until I hit like a certain age. And I think it was when I started dating my husband that I like, was like, no, I want, I want to, I want to be able to decide what I want for my life. What age and, was that? Uh, that was when I was, I wasn't a kid anymore. I was an adult at that point. I was like 21, 22. That's when I had like a breaking point and I was like, I need to, I don't want to be, first of all, I didn't want to live in the house anymore. I was like, I'm, I'm done living under someone else's rules. I was like, I want to create my own life, create my own path. Uh, And I just like then and there, like, I actually just ended up, I actually ended up leaving my house. Um, I had gotten into an argument with my dad and I left my house literally that night. Like we fought, we were fighting so much at that point and it was all about mostly it was about my relationship he didn't want me to like be dating someone in general he didn't care if they were all he was just like yeah you know whatever it was he just he didn't like it he thought i was too young i was young i started dating my husband when i was like 17 but i I didn't want to marry that's interesting because i feel like they wanted us to get married like as soon as possible yeah i don't know my dad I don't know if with my dad, he didn't want us to get married. He never pushed us as far as getting married. It, like that's one thing that we never had, but he more, more so wanted to be in control of us. Mm-hmm. And, and even, even as adults, even now he still tries to control, like yes. he has a very big control. He it still wants to be here. like part of our, yeah, he still wants to be part of our decisions and this and that. So overcoming that was like a big thing for me. And then from that point on, I was like, no one's stopping me. I'm doing whatever I want. You know. What do you think um, you to make the decision to move out? Because I still get questions from girls like who are in their mid twenties, maybe even late twenties, who are like, "I am dating someone who's not Albanian, and I can't tell my dad, or my like, I'm too afraid to do this because of my dad and my mom or whatever." Like, what do you think helped you to make that decision and kind of like take your life into your own hands? The biggest. I I hate to say it, but the biggest motivation was my husband because he was raised totally different, even though he was Albanian as well. His parents were super lenient, did not, were not, they were the complete opposite of my parents. Um, And I guess being raised under their roof, him and his siblings always felt free. Like they never had that feeling of feeling like scared of their parents. I know they were so lucky. Like I always tell them all the time, like you're so lucky. (laughs) How did you guys meet? now we're married and I, they're my family too. And it's the best thing ever. It's like one of the biggest blessings I have because my in-laws, like I love them to death and, um, they love me. They don't separate me from their daughter. Like they treat me just like their daughter. And I feel like it was something I prayed for my whole life. I always like messed up today, but I, you know, when things were going wrong in our family, I would always like be like, please God, give me another family. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I, and I I feel like that's exactly what I got, you know? People don't realize, like, sometimes I've heard guys or guy cousins being like, your life wasn't that bad. Like, look at what our moms went through. And I'm like, you know. That doesn't justify people's pain, though, you know, like. It doesn't. You can't compare someone else's pain to yours or anyone else's. Like, if you're a teenager or you're just a young girl and you're a free spirit and your soul is craving to be free and to be yourself and to be authentic and live your life the way you want to and you're in a situation where you can't that's like 
one of the worst things you can experience. I mean, I mean, obvious. There's obvious things that are are worse that we can say. Yeah, war and all the other things that we don't need to to name, but like, on an individual level, if you're experiencing that, it feels soul crushing. You know what I always say because this reminds me so much of like even the sibling dynamic, like. I have a younger sibling. He's 21. He's like the baby, right? Then it's me. I'm going to be 31 this year. My, my oldest, me and my two older siblings were closer in age. So we were raised a little more sheltered, a little different than my little brother was because he came nine years later. So like by that time, my parents were just tired. (laughs) They were like, he got the good end of the stick, you know, but he still has things that he, you know, there's a lot of things that he struggles with on his, on his own. And you know, sometimes like we'll be a little hard on him and we'll be like, oh, well, you didn't go through what we went through. Like you shouldn't even be feeling like this, you know, but, you know, I try to remind myself and I remind my siblings because, you know, it happens. You're human. You feel like you're worse. But then when you really think about it, it's like his feelings are still valid, you Mm -hmm. know, and everyone's feelings are valid. It doesn't, you know, just because you don't think that that person struggled more than you doesn't mean that their struggle was lesser was worse or better than yours. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, if you're going through something like whatever, you know, there's a, there's like a saying where like, they say that God gives you the, God gives everyone like th- something that they can handle. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they, God won't give like every person the same, like sometimes you'll hear stories, like people went through like some crazy stuff and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what I would do if I went through that. Seriously, yeah. I believe that there's a reason that you're not going through that because even though you're not going through something that might look like crazier, you still have your own struggles that God is giving you. Right. Right. So I always say like everybody has struggles and no one's as better or worse or no one's like hurting more than someone else. But I think that people need to instead of judging like what they're going through, they need to just accept it and just be like, you know, I'm here for you instead mm-hmm. of being like, Oh, well you shouldn't feel that way. Like you can't yeah. tell somebody how they should no. and shouldn't feel. Come on. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has feelings, you know, in the moment and you can't really tell somebody that we want to, because as humans, we want to fix people. That's the That's thing. The but thing. You're like the way that you're raised, the way that your brain works, the way that, you know, your environment is, where you grew up, how you grew up, what society is like affects how you handle things, affects your resiliency. And depending on your level of resiliency and all the other things I just named, that's how certain issues are going to affect you. That's what determines how much you can handle what's affecting you. So if someone can't handle it the way you do, that doesn't mean we should put them down for that. It means right. they're looking right. for support. They're looking for someone to hear them. And if we don't hear yeah. them, then they're going to feel even more alone and suffer even more. Right. But yeah, going back to the question about, you know, how, how did I break free from that like mentality of being scared to leave my house and stuff? Um, yeah, my husband was, con- I was spending so much time with him, even though I had, had to hide all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like it was pick me up down the block, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> um and uh you know even though I went through that and you know it was very very difficult to have to lie all the time make up stories oh I have class so you know I even at one point printed out a schedule I I told you know it's funny now that we're now at this point in my age I have told my parents all my secrets and it's hilarious like we laugh about it (sighs) but like I'm like I literally printed a fake schedule from college like I made a fake schedule 
because my dad would want to see my schedule to see when my classes were. So I would create extra classes <laughs> so oh, that I could hang out with my boyfriend. Like, <laughs> You are efficient. <laughs> oh, I am a problem solver. That's what I am. <laughs> That's like, a- you have an issue? Come to Danica. <laughs> I will fix it for you. <laughs> um, Those are the yeah, best people to have around, honestly. <laughs> I did all types of things. To, and it's crazy to think about because it's like, why would you want your kid to go through all that? Like, that is so, that in itself was very traumatizing. You know, I didn't realize mm-hmm. it at the time, but it is, tra- it's very traumatizing because when I finally did have freedom, I went through some crazy depression. You know, like, the, I think I, Cause I believe that depression is something that it doesn't just go away. Like, I don't believe that like you can just cure depression. I don't like when people say that because I don't think that that's something that just disappears. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, you can, I think people have depression and they can have it for many, many years of their life, but I think it comes out in certain forms and certain like phases of your life. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn how to, how to handle it, how to deal with it. But I don't think it's something that you can just cure, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so with me, I felt like I always did have it because what I growing up just, you know, because I had, I had an abusive childhood and I had gone through a lot of stuff in my life. So of course I wasn't a hundred percent happy, but I think that I would mask it by working. You know, when I was in high school, I was working three jobs because I just wanted to be out the house. So I was like, I don't want to be home. I was like, I will literally work, do sports, do everything, just keep myself busy and not be home that's that was my whole goal you know but it was never because i wanted to do those things it's because i wanted to not be home like so you see how that's very toxic right Mm -hmm. and um, the biggest thing is like when i finally had freedom i'm like what what who am i what do i want in my how do i think for myself without thinking like what what is my father gonna think what is my mother gonna think like Mm -hmm. like everything i did was always like oh are they gonna be happy are they gonna be okay with it for the first time in my life, I was like, oh my God, like, what do I want to do? You know? Yes. And it spiraled me. I was like, oh my God. Like, I was like, I had a job. I was doing this. I was, do- I was doing stuff that I did for my parents. Like I went to medical assisting school. I'm a certified medical assistant and phlebotomist. I worked in pediatrics at the time. And that's when I moved out of my parents' house and I quit my job. I quit school. I quit everything because I really, even though I wasn't doing bad, it wasn't that I was doing bad or that I didn't enjoy it. I realized that I made those choices based on what they wanted. And I didn't want to continue that because the truth was I was always obsessed with music. And I was like, I I don't know why I'm doing all of this. This is not what I should be doing at this age. I was like in my early twenties, I'm like, I should be like chasing my dreams right now, you know? Um, So, but because of that, and then I moved to Queens. So my job and stuff was in Long Island. That was another reason I quit. And I I had to kind of like reset myself. But while I went through that, I kind of hit a dark place where I just didn't know what to do. Like I, and it was a blessing. Now, when I look back, it was a blessing because I think I needed that time to think and to heal myself and to figure out what I wanted to do. At the time, I thought I was in a hole and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why am I not acting like everyone else? But now when I look back, I'm like, sometimes your body needs to break. You know, sometimes your mind needs a break. And, and even if that takes years, you might need a couple of years to just be like, all right, goodbye world for a little That's bit. That's the thing. Dark night of the soul. I don't know if you know anything about dark night of the soul, but that's what no. that was oh okay it's basically like you're going through an awakening yes and in order for you to really get to that place you have to go through this dark period and yeah. then it start, slowly takes you to the light yeah and that seems like what has happened to you 
Yeah, it's and it's it's crazy because I don't even feel like a hundred percent healed, you know. But no, um, I don't know if we'll ever I feel feel constant, that. Yeah, it's a constant work in progress. Like I can't say that I'm like an inspiration to others or something, you know. But I feel like that um, I'm definitely proud of where I am right now compared to where I was, mm-hmm. like mentally, you know. Uh, emotionally, but I still, of course, I still have days where sometimes I, I have to like mentally tell myself like, all right, Danica, you got to get out of bed now. Like mm-hmm. you got to get out of bed. You need to get up and you need to do your routine. Like I have to mentally tell myself that in order to like do things. <laughs> yeah. um, it's very hard. And I went through, so I went through that really dark period and my husband was there for me and, you know, we weren't married. We weren't engaged yet. We moved in before. So my, my dad, you know, going back to that, that night, it was the last fight I had with him. I was like, I'm going to be with him. No, you're not. <laughs> and he's like, and uh, he just didn't know what to do at this point. And he said, if you want to be with him, then you're not my daughter anymore. And you can leave the house right now. That's the minute what he said, I'm scared of hearing. The minute he said those words, I had my bag packed. I was ready for those words. Like I was like, I'm going to leave. And I grabbed like a little bag. I packed it and I actually left. And at that point, I had already like for a long, for a couple of months, maybe, you know, been thinking about this because my husband was with me. We were dating for four years and his parents wanted to meet my parents, you know, not necessarily to ask for me, but they knew that that it was going to happen down the line, you know? And um, we knew that we were, we, we, I knew I wanted to marry him. I just didn't, we didn't marry right away because we were still young. I was still in school. He was young. We weren't like rushing anything. We wanted to do things the normal way, you know, but the normal thing would be to date someone, introduce families, you know, that's normal how things work. (laughs) Not like, you know, Albanians when the families meet, it's only, it it only means, oh, they're married, you know, or they're getting married or whatever. So his parents wanted to at a couple of times his dad, you know, and his dad also knew they had like, you know, in the Albanian community, like people know each other. So they like knew had mutual friends. So then the friends would like go back to my dad and try to like butter him up and be like, Oh, you know, his, his, you know, this kid's father, he's a really good guy and he really would love to meet you. And, you know, like, you know how they try to like, (laughs) and it was just months and months of that. And my dad just still being a hard ass and not wanting to, you know, like give in and, we had just gone through like a big tragedy in my family too. So there was a lot of changes happening, you know, in my mind too. And um, I just got to a point and even my husband was just like, just come here. Like you can literally just come move in with me. Um, If you want, if you know, don't be scared. And he would just say stuff like this to me, like, don't be afraid. Like if you, you know, maybe if you leave, maybe it'll push him to realize that you're serious. You know, maybe he think like oh wow she's just getting played by this kid or whatever my dad was thinking you know so I don't know if that was the right advice but it I mean I think it was because I think he was trying to give me strength you know yeah and um he knew what I was going through and he was just like you know don't be afraid I don't know why you're he would always say to me why are you so afraid of your dad like you shouldn't be afraid of him and I think like constantly reassuring me that I shouldn't be afraid of him almost gave me like a a boost of like confidence Mm. and made me feel like why am I afraid of him like it made me question it like what am I afraid of he's not gonna like come out and murder me like (laughs) like, even though believe me he said things like that (laughs) you know don't get me wrong (laughs) I mean you've heard things like that in the Albanian community I feel like so people and he was physically abusive you know I mean he beat us and stuff and it was he I had a lot of scary moments with him so yeah I was scared you know but in reality I'm like I can't live like this. And something inside me just clicked when he said that I was like, I'm out. 
And I went and got my bag. I left the house and my husband picked me up. We went to his house <laughs> mm. and I ended up, I, I was waiting for my parents to call me. No one called. Wow. No one tried to reach out. I was like, I was nervous. It was scary. It was very, very scary. Um, but I knew I didn't want to go back. And it's not like I, you know how they say, Keik or whatever, like Mumartu yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like you ran away from home to get married. It wasn't like that. It wasn't like I ran away and boom, I married him. No, it was, I just wanted, I, he was my safe haven and his family was my safe haven at the time. And I felt comfortable with them and they accepted me and they gave me a place to be, you know, to get away. And that's what it was. And his parents, they didn't want to be rude. So they called my dad. I didn't know, but at the time, I guess they didn't want to make me upset, but my, my father-in-law actually called my father and he was like, I want to let you know that your daughter's at her house. She's not in the streets somewhere. You know, we're going to treat her just like we treat our own daughter. We don't want you to think that we're some crazy people stealing your kid or something. You know, um, my dad basically said to him, you know, try to change her mind and get her to come back home. That's basically what he said to him. And he was like, I'm going to do my best to talk to her. But at the end of the day, you know, she's an adult and she's, my, my son is an adult and they love each other. And if they want to get a place, they're going to get a place, you know, and that's just what it is. Wow. So, yeah. And so, but my father-in-law tried to do the respectful thing and he did. And I went to sleep that night and that was my first night sleeping out of my parents' house with my husband. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I think we lived with, we were living in his parents' house for like a month and then an apartment moved, opened up like nearby and we moved in and I never went back. I never went back. And um and it's crazy because they wanted me to come back. I think like a week later, like my mom checked on me like the next day. She was like, Are you okay? Is everything okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Um, everything's fine. She's like, Okay. She's I'm like, what's what's Bobby doing? Like, what's my dad saying? You know? Mm. And she's like, I don't know. He hasn't really been talking about it. He's upset, but he, you know, he's kind of been quiet. And I think he's trying to he was trying to make me feel guilty and come back like, oh, wow, my parents don't miss me, you know, like trying to play like games with me. Uh, but I didn't fall for it, obviously. And um, I think it was like a week later and it was around it was in the summertime. It was a week later and we were going to Sunken Meadow, which is this like it's like this state park in Long Island where people go and barbecue and stuff. And a lot of Albanians go mm. um and uh, we were we were going with my in-laws and my in-laws were like, why don't you invite your parents, you know, to come? Maybe they would like, maybe they would be down. And I'm like, I don't think they would, but I was like, I'll try, you know, because they're just like trying to make things, fix things. They don't want it to be like this. Right. So they're like, how can we fix this without like her getting upset or upsetting them? Like, why don't we ask her to like invite her parents, you know? So I call my mom, my dad's on the other line. I mean, my dad's next to her but I didn't know that. And she had me on speaker mm. and I'm like, Oh, hi mom. Like, what's up? She's like, nothing. Is everything okay? I'm like, everything's fine. She's like, um, I'm like, uh, my, you know, Danny's parents, they're inviting you guys to sunken meadow. We're going to sunken meadow today. Do you guys want to come? And before she even answers, I hear my dad in the background and he's like, we're coming, we're coming. <laughs> what? I swear. Wow. So, I don't know. I don't know. And let, let me tell you, my dad was a scary guy. Okay. My dad was a scary guy. And he, 
he was very physically, emotionally, mentally abusive to me, to my mom, to my siblings. And even him, even he had to give in, you know? So if that's a lesson for anyone trying to get out of the situation, I feel like nine out of 10 times, your parents are going to accept you no matter what. You know, I really believe that. I really, really believe that. I don't think it's the opposite. Eventually, they will accept it. Eventually, they will come around because they are, if they are parents who love you, they're going to come around and they're they're not going to want not want you in your life, you know, Most, no yeah. matter how tough, how hard they are, how crazy they are. I don't think that a, a real parent who really loves their child is ever going to let their child just go like that. You know, it's just even though there has been, you know, that's why I said nine out of ten times, because I think there's still that there are people who would. But mm. you have to take your chances, you know, yeah. You have to take your chances. And I was ready for that. I was like, listen, if he never talks to me again, I'll deal with it. But I'm not going to not live my life on my own terms. And um, but I still still got the best of both worlds. So I was really, really happy at that moment. And uh, then I called my sister because she's like my rock. So I was like, you need to come today. Like, you know, they can't come alone. You need to be there. And she's like, I'm definitely going to be there. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to be there with a box of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> I like her. Cool. So they come to the park. Um, at that point, me and uh, I think me and my me and Danny, um, we were went to the beach, and when we were walking back together, we were hand in hand. And my parents had already arrived, and they were sitting at a picnic table with my in laws, like talking, and they were laughing, and they were like, "It's like they were like best friends." I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is weird." Um, <laughs> Did you have fears like of your in laws having a certain? Um, my biggest fear always was that my in-laws would think my family is crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's what that I was, was my asking you in a nice way. Like, <laughs> and my and my biggest fear, even dating my husband, it was always the big, the huge fear of like, is he gonna even want to be with someone like me if my dad is so crazy? You know, that's another thing mm-hmm. because I was like, their family. Not that their family's not. It's not that because everyone's family has something, right? No one's perfect, but as far as like that, they they didn't have the same type of things that they didn't have the same dynamic that we had. So I was always worried, like, what if their parent, what if his parents are going to be like, don't be with this girl. It's too much, too much baggage, too many things to deal with. Like you're going to have a crazy father-in-law. Like, do you really want to deal with that? You know, you never know. So I was always worried, but knowing them, I knew them for so many years at that point that I already knew that they were not like that. Like they were, they were such genuine, they are such genuine, caring, kind, like, like I cannot say enough good things about my in-laws. Like they are really special people. They really are. And even in the Albanian community, like I'm so proud that like there are Albanian people like that, that exist because they're so, they're great parents. They're so supportive of their kids, you know, just so many things that a lot of Albanian kids are missing in their lives that I don't know. He's very lucky (laughs) and I'm very lucky that I get to be part of it too, you know, but, um, but when they met, they actually hit it off. So it was just nice. Like they just needed to meet, you know, and, and any, unless you're an evil, crazy person, I don't think you could not like my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, because they're so nice and they're so friendly and they're, so, they're just like such great people that like, I knew that when they met him, like I, that was the whole argument. It was always trying to convince my dad, like, but you don't know his family is so nice. Like, but you don't understand, like, 
he, my husband, he's such a good guy. Like, you know, like I would literally try to convince my dad all the time and like tell him, and he's like, oh, but you know, you don't know anything. You're young. Like you don't really know. Like my dad, you know, you're seeing your kid from a parent's perspective. You're seeing your child as a child, no matter how old they are. So you're just constantly thinking they don't know better. Like I know better than they do. Right. So that she, he's, his biggest fear was always that somebody would come and trick me or like some, that's, I feel like that's such an Albanian thing. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like, like he, the, he, some guy would come and just like, you know, like to freaking trick me into like being with him. And then he ends up being like a crazy person or but something. It's like, sometimes this is going to sound bad probably, but sometimes I'm like, no offense, but I don't think you're the right person to tell me <laughs> that yeah warn me about someone else like sometimes certain people who have those fears are because they have certain ideas about themselves or exactly with their parents or whatever it is like they're we me and my sister laugh about it all the time because like my dad tried to protect us from a man like him literally that's what i'm and i hate to say it like that but that's the truth you know and i think that that was his biggest fear like be knowing that he has done certain things to his wife or has been a certain way and let me like clarify because i don't want to put my dad completely 100 percent down in the sense of in the sense of being loving and being abusive yeah we we lacked a lot of that physically and emotionally from him mm-hmm. and as far as him being abusive he was abusive but as far as him taking care of us he did he my dad was never into drugs he never had an alcohol problem he never went out and i don't know i've heard a lot of crazy stories you know like there's other things that could he could have done which thank god he didn't have any of those things he was a hard worker he took care of his family you know he did a lot of good things in that sense but when it came to the emotional like relationship with his kids and his wife that's where he lacked you know that's where he had issues and also because he has he has a lot of issues within himself, you know. Yes. Um. So when a person is not mentally stable, how can they be a good father, be a good husband, mm-hmm. you know, be a role model? Like it's not it's not gonna work, you know. So it's um, very very common. But yeah, in men, but also like since we're talking about Albanian, we're both Albanian. Like Albanian men, especially in that generation are not taught emotional health, emotional healing, how to take care of your mental health. So it's like they're in survival mode their whole lives and they come to America and they're living a better life financially. But all that stuff that they try to stuff down their whole lives because you have to be a man, you have to be strong, it's all going to come to the surface and it usually comes up for men in anger and abuse. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately unfortunately yeah that's why i always say like the women are doing a lot of healing work and some you know men are opening up to it but a lot of i think there's a lot of women in our community too though that are like that um because i've i never experienced it with my mother like my mother was actually the one parent that we had that was like sane and she i think she is the reason why we're not as messed up as we could be (laughs) because even though we watched her go through stuff, we were kind of going, we were all going through it together. Like my mom was going through it with us. Mm. So my dad did not separate my mother from the kids, which is really bad. You know, Mm. if like we all were abused, we all were scared of him. Mm -hmm. He was like the ruler of the household and we all had to obey him, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
So my mom kind of was a support system for us too, in a way, because we kind of like leaned on her for things. Um, we would tell her things that we wouldn't tell my dad because, but you know, as a kid, you need to have at least one parent that you could at least open up to and tell things to and speak to. If you don't have if both parents are not like that, that's even worse, you know, mm-hmm. but at least my mom, she was kind of like, she was somebody that we could talk to, you know? Um, but, um, I know I've heard now, like, cause I didn't really grow up with Albanians. Like I grew up with my cousins and stuff, but I didn't grow up with like friends that were Albanians because mm. in Long Island, we didn't really have any Albanian friends. Um, but as I got older, I got, I started like acting up other Albanian girls and stuff like through Instagram. And then like, we would meet up in person. Like I, I made Albanian friends later on. Mm-hmm. And Same. there, there's some, there's some stories that I've heard from certain people like about how their mothers were crazy and like how their mothers were the narcissists and how their fathers were like super, super like did not wear the pants were very dormant in the relationship. Didn't like, they weren't the ones that made the decision in the household. So I just heard that actually a story about that the other day. And I was like, Oh wow. You don't hear that often, but it's yeah. Like, and then I, you also think like, is it just our perspective because of what we went through, you know, like, that's the thing I have to question too. Like, I'm like, is it, is it just, am I just jaded because I've been through it with men? And like, I think that men are all like that, you know, it's definitely Um, in in our subconscious probably, you know, like, and also you hear a lot of stories of people around you and it's not just like your own parents, you see it in like friends, family members. And you're like, and it makes sense when you think about it, women are even but you're right with the even the women are taught to be like endure the pain don't complain don't don't like talk don't be emotional and all that stuff like so when you're taught to just hold everything down it makes sense for you to come out later with either anger or depression or anxiety or even physical health issues i feel like um i used to say that you know obviously there's also scientific evidence that, you know, what you go through as a child or how you're raised also rubs off on you and how you're going to raise your kids or how you, you know, handle situations. Of course, you know, that's just a given, but I don't know if I like believe that because you were raised by say like me, I was raised. My father was, is definitely hundred percent a narcissist. Um, but I don't feel like I have those tendencies. And even though, you know, yes, I have seeked out healing. I've been to therapy and stuff like that, but I just never felt like that. I've, I don't think I would ever like abuse my kids or ever like, I don't have children yet, but I don't think I would ever do something like that. So sometimes I'm like, I don't know how true that is, you know, that what, like, because my, you know, cause I had a hard life and I was treated a certain way that I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow. See, that's that's the thing they talked about how you either pick up what your parents did like i've heard this with men who have like abusive fathers they mm-hmm. either end up following in their footsteps or they go the way opposite and like i don't want to be anything like that so you can't no one can put a blanket statement on everyone it's like yeah i think i don't know i feel like people are more responsible than they think and they need to take more responsibility for Absolutely. their actions Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't believe in blaming like your childhood or blaming your parents or what you went through on being a bad person or making bad choices. You know, I think that every choice you make, you're responsible for it. And that sounds really harsh, but I really, really, truly like as I get older, I realize that. Absolutely. I've, 
I've been through some crazy stuff and, and I know I'm not, I'm not everyone, you know, but Mm. me personally being that I went through so many things that I never went down the wrong roads. Like I was never into, you know, I could have been a heroin addict. Mm. I could have just gave up on life and been like, fuck this. I'm just going to go do drugs. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I didn't. So, you know, I, and the things we went through were pretty, things I went through were pretty, pretty bad. So I don't know. I just like, when I hear stories like that, I'm just like, yeah, but you can change that. You know, like, I think at a certain point you have to realize it's your responsibility to change it. And like, if you notice, if some people can go through a certain period of their lives where they're like, they have a veil over their eyes and they're just operating from their subconscious, everything that they learn. And then at one point, you either wake up and realize like, oh my God, I can't believe I've been living like that. I feel like I was a zombie, like not even present. And then you wake up and you're like, okay, I can actually change this. Like this isn't me because people believe that's their identity for so long. And then something wakes them up or it doesn't. Some people don't ever wake up, unfortunately. And it's all at different timelines. Sometimes people have their spiritual awakening, wake up at like 16 years old. Sometimes people are born feeling that way. And, and then there's others who are like in their sixties and they're still the same. They're never going to wake up and change. Unfortunately. And I, although that's a personality thing also, because I think that some people don't want to, some people just do not want to change because they're so comfortable where they are that they just Mm want to stay where they are. And some people like me, I'm constantly changing. I'm constantly looking for the next best thing, Mm -hmm. you know, or if I, if I've accomplished something, I'm like, okay, but I could do this better. You know, I always want to growth mindset. It's what you have. I think that's a mindset that, and I think there's, you know, there's different types of people and and that also goes into play of how how responsible you are about your actions. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. People are afraid to um, face themselves. They're afraid to like, and admit like, I'm bad. I've been a bad person or like to face those emotions of shame and guilt. They're afraid. So they go their whole lives, just not even crossing that threshold. Yeah. But it takes, it really takes bravery to face yourself, to face that the pain, to feel the pain, to go into that whole dark part of yourself and your past and all that stuff and your parents and admitting when your parents are wrong. And like, there's a lot of people who have a problem with that too. Like I feel guilty saying this about my mom or saying this about my dad or noticing when they did something wrong or it really takes bravery to, to have that growth mindset and to go into those places. But that's the only way for you to get to the other side and be your authentic self and to try to be the best version of you. Yeah, for sure. But um, we went on a whole like- different road. Yeah, I'm like, we just went. On, I was like, so That's back to busking. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, I have the tendency to do that. Um, I open up a lot of boxes and forget to like close them. I'm the same. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's part of your story, you know, like yeah. I don't know how I feel like an I feel like a a, a podcast like this like one episode is not enough, you know. <laughs> to talk I, know. About stuff. <laughs> I know. There are seriously some interviews I'm like, Dan, can we do another one? Like 
I would be down. <laughs> um, chapter two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you um, feel like all of this struggle has shaped you and led you to being the person that you are? Do you feel like part of that has helped you become the version of you that was able to jump out and sing in front of all these people? Like, or do you think that was always a part of you? Like, how do you think this all shaped you? So I never had any, one thing with me is I never had stage fright. I actually, if anything, I, as I got older, I started getting more stage fright when I was a kid. I have, oh my God, I have like videos and videos, like a family, like footage when I was a kid of just me being like myself, like crazy. I was so confident. I would just like sing in front of like, we would be like, we were like living in Brooklyn and there would be all these people who lived in the building and they'd be like, Danica, sing for us. And I would just sing on the street for them. Like everywhere I went, I was like just showing people who I am. You know, I had no, I had no filter ever. And then as I got old, you know, you get older, you go through puberty, you go through high school, you go through middle school, you you know, you start to feel like, oh, I want to fit into something. I don't want to just be an individual. Right. So, you know, I went through phases of like, like finding who I am and feeling like being uncomfortable with myself and then having to learn to be comfortable again with myself. (laughs) And it's a constant like, you know, roller coaster of, you know, feeling like great, like you're a kid and you're, and you have, but then again, every kid is different. Like I have, like, I'm thinking about my nieces and nephews, like one, my niece, right. They're siblings. My niece is just like me. She's literally my mini me. She does not have a filter. She just lives life on her own rules. And then her brother is like super, super shy. So like, I don't think that every kid is going to be like that. Right. I don't think everyone starts their life out like that, but I think every human being goes through phases of like learning to be comfortable with themselves and then, and then becoming uncomfortable with themselves again and then going comfortable and then uncomfortable (laughs) because it all depends on like what you're exposed to, what's going on. Like it could be the the simplest thing. Like you could change your career and boom, you're starting at this new company and you're around people that you've never been around before. And then you're like, Oh, I don't know if I want to be myself around them. You know, like there's so many that's just like one example, but there's so many things. But with me, I never had issues with stage fright or anything like that. But um, as I got older, you know, I definitely went through a phase. And then I think when I went through depression, I kind of left everything for a little while. And like my, I mean, the worst part of my depression and, um, and then I'm going, I, that's when I started doing therapy. You know, I didn't do therapy ever in my life until I was an adult, moved out of my parents' house. And that's when I started going to therapy. And it was because of my husband, because like, I would be crying for no reason. Like I'd be on the bathroom floor crying in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep. And I just would be super emotional. And I didn't know where these emotions were coming from. And my husband didn't know what to do. He would lay down on the bathroom floor with me and just like, like just lay there and let me cry. And he didn't know what to do. And he was like, I don't know what's wrong with you. You need to talk to somebody. Like there's something wrong, you know, like you need to talk to someone like this is not something that you can do on your own. Like you you need to like go to therapy or something, you know? So growing up Albanian, you know, there's a lot of stigma around mental health and, um, you know, only crazy people go to therapists and only crazy people take medication and whatever the situation. Um, so growing up, I never thought that was like a thing for me. Like, Oh, I just, you know, Oh, like, should I go talk to someone? I never, never had it. I was never exposed to it. Never talked to about it. The closest thing I had to a therapist growing up was in school. I would like be friends with my social worker in yeah. school and we would like have lunch once in a while. So that was kind of therapy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cause she knew that I had a crazy home life. So she would like, you know, they would come out and pick the, the kids that they knew had something going on and they would talk to them. <laughs> oh, wow. 
but it was nice that I had that, but I never really went to therapy. So when I started therapy, that changed my life. I rave about it to people because talking to someone, not even being like, I, w- I didn't even go to a psychiatrist. I went to a psychologist and I spoke three times a week for three years. You broke up. You said her. it changed your life. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I said therapy changed my life. And I said, it wasn't until I started going to therapy and um, I started going three times a week for three years straight. And it was when I was, it was my first time ever doing it. And, you know, when I told the therapist, like I quit my job, I quit school. I'm not doing anything with my life right now. I can't get out of bed till 4 PM. I cry for no reason. And I don't know why, like, it was like all of the red flags, you know, Mm -hmm. I contemplated suicide many times. I thought about, you know, just, it was really, really bad. I was in a really, really bad place. And, um, when he heard all this, he's like, you need to come to me three times a week. <laughs> he's um, like, I, you know, so I started him three times a week. And then as, as like the time progressed, it started becoming two times a week and then one time a week. And then eventually I actually stopped going to him. Um, but he helped me so much because he made me realize what, where my issue, where, where these issues were coming from. And we talked about things that I never talked about with anyone, you know, Growing up, my my friends knew that I was going through stuff at home, but I never told them details. I never really said, never opened up to someone outside of my family about like what was going on in my life, like what I went through, like what type of abuse, like the stories, the, the specific incidents, you know, and then there was other types of abuse that I went through too in my life that I never opened up to people about ever in my life. And like that, and that was a whole nother conversation that I never, you know, things that I never told anyone that just were like bottled up inside me Mm -hmm. and it was such a release and it was such an amazing time in my life to be able to have that person to talk to and being that he was a professional and he knew exactly what to say back and I don't know every therapist is different but he was never the type of therapist that like wanted to fix me or like be like oh like maybe you should do this maybe you should do that it was more like he would just listen made you feel heard and yeah and um by talking to him I would hear myself and I'm like that's why I feel this way. You know? yes. I would like, There's I would like come to conclusions power. in my head. You yes. know, There's such a power in letting whatever you're holding in out to someone else. Who's not necessarily someone that's going through it with you. You know, like it's different than you and your siblings. If they're the only ones that know and they're suffering with you, it's like, it's different when you're able to let it out to someone else who's a professional and who can help you through it and help you understand why you're feeling the way you're th- feeling, why you're behaving the way you're behaving. It just, it just changes the way that you live your life and the way that you see life and it changes right. how, what you see as possible from there forward. Yeah. So that, that was, was like a big turning point for me and uh he you know the, the the suggestions he would make were very oh what you know have you been looking at schools like what do you want to do right now what is what what is like the you know the first and I'm like well the first thing I would really like to go back to school like that was like a big thing I was like well I don't know why I left school you know but it was I not that I didn't know why but I just didn't want to go for what I was going for and he's like well why don't you go back and like look into that and see like how, you know like he would give me practical typical like simple suggestions and I, it would actually make me like want to do it. And then he'd be like, next time you come in, let me know, like, 
you know, write down, jot down a list of schools that you were thinking about going or a couple of majors that you were into or like something like so simple that I'm like, oh, I could do that, you know, (laughs) and I would do it, but it would get me like a step closer to like getting off of getting out of bed and like having like a reason to, to, you know, live. Um, And it was so It wasn't like a quick by step little no definitely not it was definitely a process and slowly i you know and also at that time i was introduced to uh someone in the industry in the music industry who also is still a really good friend of mine he's his name is marvin floyd he's um a producer and music director he was the music director for ashanti and jaw rule so like he worked in the industry for a very long time my friend introduced me to him he heard me sing we started writing um I was in the studio with him that gave me like, like life again, you know, cause I started doing music and I was like going to the studio and be- I was staying in the studio. It's like six in the morning, like just like writing songs and ghostwriting for him and for artists and helping him with stuff and like all these projects and nothing I got paid for. And I'm totally fine with it because it was the best time of my life. And it was such an experience. And I learned so much about myself as an artist and what I wanted to do and that spiraled me into going to school for business and getting a media, uh, music, a media and arts management degree, um, which is not what I thought at all was going to be the degree I wanted to get. But I did because I realized, oh, my God, I want to do more things with music. I don't want to just be a singer, you know, um, that's such a and, uh, you're so sorry. I just want to point this out because there's a few things that will make people live happier lives. One of them that you touched upon is living your authentic truth leaving a situation that didn't allow you to be in your authentic truth and then another part is getting the help you need to heal from your past or to help you understand yourself more and then the third is doing something that lights you up that is brings you joy that you're passionate about those three elements will transform anybody's life who's in a dark place. That just made me so emotional because <laughs> like, I never thought about it in that way. Like, th- like the way you just categorized it, you know, I never thought of it like that. And that is so true. You know, mm-hmm. like it's crazy. Um, and I'm emotional in a good way. Cause it just makes me happy. Cause I'm like, wow, like I actually hit all three points. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm proud of you for uh-huh. doing that. And yeah. by sharing your story, you're going to inspire people who relate to you because a lot of people are afraid to talk about this in our community in general, not just in our community, but especially in our community. So for you to be brave enough to share your story, this is another way to be like, okay, I went through what I went through and it was painful and it was horrible. But I can find a way now to turn that pain into a purpose or help somebody else who might be going through it. 100%. And this is what we've talked about is like a tiny fraction of my life, but because we kind of went all over the place. Yeah. But um, there are so many. I would love to like one write a book about my life because there's so many things that I've been through at such a young age. Like I'm only 30 and I've been through like. I've been through some experiences that like, I don't think a lot of people have gone through so many, like, I feel like I've lived many lives in my life. I don't yeah. know how to explain it, I, I but I've that. done so many things like, and I've been around so many situations and 
but it's always because I'm looking for the next best thing, you know? And it's like, one thing with me is like, I always say to people, like, you need to network, like constantly meet people, constantly get yourself involved in stuff. You never know what's going to lead you to the next thing. And that's exactly my life is a whole story of mentors and people that I met that brought me to the next level or took me to another place. And then that place took me to another place and everything connects, everything connects. And that's what makes me very spiritual. And that's what makes me, you know, that's why I believe so much in, I believe in God, whether that I, you know, I'm not very, very religious, but I believe that there is a higher power. And I do believe that things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. And that people are connected and situations don't just things are, there's no such thing as coincidence. That's my big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't even know like where to go back to. I'm going to we say like, the, there's going to be one last question that I want to yeah, ask. You. Go ahead. If you could give your younger self any advice to kind of make the road that you've been on easier, is there anything that you would say to her? My biggest advice would be don't sweat the small things, you know, don't over exert yourself on things that you're going to laugh about in a few months, you know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I personally am a very overly emotional person. cry I watch a video and cry like I'm so I'm such an empath like I literally feel everything and um what's your but I'm a Virgo okay what's your sign I'm a Scorpio so I'm a water sign I love Scorpios oh my I have like all my best friends are Scorpios I rarely hear people say that (laughs) I have three three best friends who are Scorpios and Virgos get along very well (laughs) um so yeah the biggest advice to myself would be you know um, don't be hard on yourself. Like I'm, I'm such, I'm super, even though I, you know, all these things I'm saying, they're so positive and I am generally a positive person, but I, all, my biggest fault would be that I am super self-critical mm-hmm. and super perfectionist. Like, and that has held me back a lot, mm-hmm. you know? And then when I finally did it, I was like, why didn't I just do this a long time ago? Yeah. Why did I pay for? <laughs> you know? So I think that whatever that is, I, you just, I, that would be advice that just do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the Nike sign, just do it. You know, don't, <laughs> don't uh, overthink it. Don't overanalyze it. Don't be afraid. Don't think, oh, well, you know, this well, it, you know, if I don't do it like this then it's not going to happen the right way, no, just do it. And I started taking that advice when I started busking, you know, when I, when I went out there and I just did it and I said, fuck it. If I don't, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but it ended up working out amazing. And I ended up making great money. I went on a, I I used that money at the end of the summer, went on a trip of a lifetime for my 30th birthday to Spain and France, something I always wanted to do. And I didn't money. I spent it and I enjoyed it. And, (laughs) um, but it was like, it was, it was like such an amazing experience. Like I, I, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I would love to like talk to you about like the busking more because that was an experience in itself. And like the, the people that I met and the stories that I have from that experience are just amazing. It makes me emotional when I talk about it because it was such an amazing time of my life. And like, I don't know if I'm going to do it again, you know, because I actually just got like a full-time job. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm you know, going to ever have that time again where I get to like, just go out in the park and sing, you know, 
but um did something for you and if you ever it doesn't matter it doesn't mean you have to do it you know for three hours or for four hours or several times a week but if you want to go back and do it on a weekend once in a while you could that's what i was it's like a quick little story there's one one person that i met at the park right there's a lot there's a lot of these stories i have a lot of them um but one one thing that actually happened today which is funny we're talking about the busking why I've been like smiling the whole time because like I just had this moment happen like a few hours ago and I'm like oh she's bringing up busking oh wow so there was this guy who um I was setting up one day and I just had a bad day that day I don't know what it was I was super emotional I think I got my period I don't know I was just like super emotional and like not in a good mood and I think the day before it was super windy and I lost like I lost like one of my favorite hats or my iPad fell and it broke or like something happened and I was not in a good mood. And then the next day I felt kind of discouraged to go back, but I, I was like, I'm still doing it, you know? Mm. And I, it's like, it's like God sent me this guy, right? Like he just like walked past me. And as he was walking past, he's like, you should be on TikTok. And he just like walked by and I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, what, what did you say? And then he like was scared to like approach me or something, you know? And he's like, no, no. He's like, I don't want to bother you. I just wanted to tell you, like, you should be on TikTok. And I was like, I am on TikTok, but I'm not super big on TikTok. I'm like trying to still navigate it. And I was like, why do you do TikTok? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I fish here every day at the lake. And excuse me, I make videos like while I'm fishing at the lake and um, I post them on TikTok and I get a ton of views. And like, I have a couple of videos up there and they went viral. And I'm telling you, and like, you could really, he's like, you have an amazing voice. And like, I hear you sing every day. And he's like, you really could make it big on there. And I was like, thank you. I really appreciate that. Like, it was like weird. It came out of nowhere. I wasn't feeling good. And like this random person just comes out of nowhere and gives me this like, like encouraging message, you know? And I was like, thank you. I'll keep that in mind. And, you know, you really made my day. Thank you. I appreciate that. And he's like, no, he's like, I I was hearing you sing every day while I was by the lake. And I thought somebody was just playing the radio. I thought someone was playing Adele. Cause I, I do a lot of Adele and he's like, I always thought somebody was playing the radio by the, by the fountain. And I said, you know what, let me walk over there and see what's going on. Cause I've been hearing it for the whole week. And I thought it was just someone playing her music. And he's like, I come down the ramp and I see that it's a person singing live. <laughs> and he's um, like, he's like, I was like, Oh my God, this girl's voice is amazing. She should be famous. And he said, that girl's going to be on TV one day. That's what he said to me. He's like, that girl is going to be on TV and I'm going to say I met her at central park (laughs) he was such a cool dude you know and i'm talking to him totally like he looks like a totally normal guy you know like i'm like oh he's fishing in the park didn't know anything about this guy and i'm like oh let me get your tiktok since we're talking about tiktok let's like follow each other so we took each other's tiktoks and he's like i'll see you around what's your name and i'm like danica he's like my name's smithson i'm like all right smithson nice to meet you and then he like he left and uh later on that evening I went on TikTok and I told my husband about the story and he's like, Oh my God, that's so nice. You know? And I was like, yeah, let's go check out his TikTok. So I go on his TikTok and all his videos, a lot of his videos went viral, but it's because he's homeless. And I was like, wow. Like I did not expect that. Like my, you know, human nature, you're judging, you see someone you don't, you know, he didn't look homeless. You know, he really didn't like what I would think would be a homeless looking person. Like he was clean. He had clean shoes, clean clothing. He looked like he was clean shaved. He had hair, like he looked like just a guy in the park hanging out, going to like, he did not look like someone that was struggling. He really didn't, you know? And I go on his TikTok, and one of his videos that went viral was him crying because he was living out of his car for a while. And he started doing Uber to make money in DoorDash. And he actually had a moment and he recorded it and put it on TikTok. And he was crying because 
he um he was getting really shitty tips like he was doing like jobs where he had to go like across town and deliver like a hundred dollars worth of food and he's like they would leave me like three dollars and he's like and that that's not even enough to cover my gas like i'm not making anything from that so he he went on there and he like kind of like spoke his piece about being an uber driver and how like please like if you order uber or you order from any of these companies like please take care of your drivers because you never know what they're going through you know mm-hmm. and that video went viral i think he has like four point something million views on it and um i saw this and i immediately started crying because i was like this guy was such a positive person and such an amazing inspiring like his energy was so alive and so like he, he came over and made my day. Like he came over and made me feel better when I was feeling like crap. Meanwhile, look at him struggling. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and it's like, and the videos are like how he finds shelter every day. And then like the gradually what was going on, like he had lost his car and then eventually he was on the street and like all these things were happening. Right. So tied into today, this was almost a year ago. Um, and he, I would see him in the park after that. Like, I remember like he came up to me another because i be i I became friends with everybody there like it's a whole community like of all the people that are constantly hanging out there so everyone eventually gets to know each other um so i have stories for days about that but this particular person like i i saw him again later on he would come up and he would give me a dab like he'd be like come on dab (laughs) and he would like say hi and he'd be like how's it going are you making your money today i hope they're giving you good tips like he would always just come over and say hi you know and um and i'd be like thanks i hope you like i hope you catch a big fish today and then he would like leave you know it was always like a cute little thing like that Mm -hmm. and i remember like i haven't talked to him because like after the after i went to spain i never went back to the park and then it started getting cold because we got back in september and i was like i can't really go out and like sing in the park anymore and i thought about doing it in the subways but i just didn't feel like it was safe because there was a lot of um the crime rate went up in new york and a lot of people were getting you know attacked on the subway and I was like, I don't know if I want to like have a jar of money on the subway platform. And like, I don't know how I feel about all that, you know? Yeah. So I decided like, I'm not going to do it for the winter time. And so I, I, I kind of lost contact with everybody. I didn't really check up on anyone, like nothing. And today I'm just scrolling on my Instagram feed and boom, you know, I follow BuzzFeed and I see a BuzzFeed post and I see his face on mm-hmm. like the BuzzFeed post. And I was like, what the heck? And I'm like, I click it. He doesn't have Instagram. He only has TikTok. I click it and I read it. And they did a whole article on him, like a whole article about him, about his struggle and about the deal that went viral of him crying and him being an Uber driver. And they posted all these links on like, and like basically like the message that he's sending to people and how like they should be tipping their drivers better. And that he like created a petition to try to get like better treatment for like uber drivers and like all this stuff and like where to sign the petition and somebody opened a a gofundme for him to try to like help him with money so they put the link in there and i was just so happy i was like oh my god he like i think like he's doing good like i think people are gonna try to help him like this this is amazing you know so i remember i had his number so i texted him because there was a time in the park where there was an issue with me and another busker. It was like a, there was one busker. He was like crazy, but everyone told me that he was crazy and that he was like mean and you got to stay clear of him. He tried to argue with me one day and I think he heard and he came down like from where he was at the lake and he's like, is that guy bothering you? And I was like, yeah, it was like, it's okay. We kind of worked it out. And he's like, he's like, if, if anybody bothers you, you, I want you to take my number. He's like, not for nothing. He's like, I don't mind hitting on you. He's like, I just want so you call me if there's something wrong i'm like okay no problem so i took his number but i never texted him so he never had my number um but i remembered i had it in my contacts and i was like let me text him this link because i don't know if he knows that like they did the 
I don't know if he knows about it. Like, I don't know if they, if, if they contacted him and did the, like, I don't know how those things work. So I was like, like, let me send this to him and tell him that I just, he popped up randomly today. And so I was like, Hey Smithson, it's Tadika from the park. The, the girl with the top hat. Cause I always saying, well, like with like a hat. <laughs> and I was like, uh, this popped up on my newsfeed on Instagram today. And I wasn't sure if you knew about it. I hope things are looking up for you. Blessings, you know? And I sent him the, ta- the, the link and he sends me back a paragraph and he's like, no wonder my TikTok's been blowing up lately. He didn't know about it. He's like, I had no idea. He's like, thank you so much for sending this to me. And I was like, you're welcome. He's like, how are you thinking? Are you going to come back to the park this year? And saying, and I was like, I don't know. I was like, uh, I got a job. And I was like, I, it's going to take up a lot of time, but I'll try to come maybe on the weekends just to do it, you know? And he was like, yeah. He's like, you got to keep doing your music thing. He's like, you're so talented. Blah, blah, blah. He gave me all these like words of wisdom. It was just really cute. And like, we just reconnected, you know, for like a second. And it was really cool. See, um the thing when you're our brains find ways to protect us right and it stops yeah. us from making decisions that we know are good for us but we're afraid to make something that we know could change yeah. our lives but when you kind of surpass that part of your brain that's just like no don't do it this might happen this might happen this might happen when you just ignore that and do the thing you don't know where that can take you Like if I look back at all the amazing things I've done in my life, amazing experiences, the people I met, like I look back and I'm like, what was the first decision that kind of led to all these these decisions? And I'm like, if I never said yes to that thing that I didn't want to say yes to, I wouldn't have gone to this thing and done this thing and met this person who led me here and, and then done all this crazy stuff. And like, I look back and I'm like, it's because I didn't listen to that part of my brain that stopped me. I did it, showed my brain. I'm not going to die if I make this decision. I actually, it will lead to something good. And then the more you do it, the more courage you have, the more like you create this muscle, like you build a muscle to do more things that scare you, that will help you grow more and help you meet more people and put you on a path of alignment to like all the things you want in life it's 100 percent true and um even now i just got a i got my dream job basically right now and it's like crazy because it's like something i've been trying to manifest for like the longest time mm-hmm. and i feel like even busking in the park was part of that experience for me to even like get to where i am right now you know mm-hmm. like it's really crazy um i'm working with like a grammy nominated artist right now um as as her senior executive assistant she's she works with she's 68 she's a trailblazer in the business world also um so she's like a business she's like a famous businesswoman and then she's also like a grammy nominated artist and she is such an inspiration I, i feel so lucky that i got this job it was challenging in the beginning i had to get used to like her pace you know because it's very very demanding Cause I'm basically her assistant. So I'm doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm her exec, I'm her, I'm her executive assistant. So I'm not like, do, you know, running and getting coffee for her, but I'm basically doing like, I'm like her, I'm like her brain. So every project that she's involved in, I'm involved in, mm-hmm. but being that I'm doing that, it's like, I get to see everything firsthand. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning a lot of cool stuff. Yes. And I'm also meeting a lot of cool people and it's only been like three weeks, but I've already met, like, I, like she's involved with like the most, she, she only works with like, like award-winning people, like all her musicians, all her 
all of the people that she's in contact with, like she's putting out a new album in June and every single person that she's in contact with has an amazing repertoire. Like even like she's doing like animations and there's like the people that are working on her animations. They're like people that work for Disney, you know, like it's crazy. Wow. Um, so I, I feel so blessed that I'm here. And it's like, even when I got the job, I was, I mean, I was like iffy. I was like, do I want to be an executive assistant? Not really. Yeah. I was like, I would rather be like in a more creative place. Like I wanted to be more in like multi multimedia production or in like, um, I mean, my dream is to be a songwriter full time. That's really my dream. But you have to like make contacts to get to that place. You know, this is so a bridge job. It's the bridge that gets you to where you want to go. Yes, that's exactly how I feel. And that's what made me feel like hesitant to get into it. Because I was like, I was like, it's I'm doing a job that I've done. I have I've been an executive assistant in the past, but it was for like wealth management or like, you know, other things while I was in school. It was never a job that I knew I was going to stay in but I was good at it. And, um, I have that on my resume. So I got to a point where I was like, I need to get, I need a paycheck. Like I need to have a job. Like I need like a secure position somewhere just so I can like start saving money. Um, it was, it was not easy being a, I can't just be a starving musician, you know, like I have to, there's some goals and things in life right now. I'm like, I want to have kids. We want to like, you know, settle down. We want to buy a house, maybe start a business, like do something together as a family. And it's, it takes two, you know, you can't, it can't in this world and that we're living in right now, you yeah. can't have just one paycheck <laughs> if you want to do big things. Um, and being so, like starving anything will just keep you in like survival mode and you'll be in fight yeah. or flight and it just won't be a good place to create from. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but it's just it's not something that's ideal right now in my life. So I'm like, OK, right now I need to get a job. So I started like sending out resumes and <laughs> My resume is amazing. Like, I'm not even like trying to toot my own horn. I probably could have got this job a long time ago, but I just didn't want to. I really wanted to be just focusing on music and performing in the park <laughs> with a bachelor's degree. <laughs> Another season. That was a season. But it was just what I wanted to do at the time. And yeah. then and finally, like, no, I got back to reality and I was like, I need to get a job. So I ended up getting, you know, this opportunity. And at first I saw executive assistant and I was like, I didn't even think twice. I was just sending my resume to a bunch of different like positions. And then I hear back from them and I wasn't super excited because I'm like, it didn't say that it was for her specifically. It said it was for her company. So mm -hmm. I didn't know what the company was. I didn't know what the job entailed. I didn't know if it was musical. I just thought it's, it was like a foundation. Oh, wow. So I'm like, Oh, maybe this is like a charity thing. So I had a totally different idea of it. So I wasn't super excited. I was just like, cool. I got a call back for the job that I didn't really want, but okay. So I go to the interview and I meet them and they start telling me about the position. They tell me who I'm working for and they tell me, and then I went back home and I start looking her up and I start doing research and I find a few documentaries that were done on her. And I'm like, wow, this woman is inspiring. I want to be her. Like, this is amazing. Like, I would love to work with her. Like, I would love to be next to her and just see like how her brain works and like learn from her, yeah. you know, see, and I the said, power of just doing it, just do it. Yeah. Just Put yourself out there so i just did it <laughs> and i got and then i you know she loved me she met me it was a long hiring process and i got into it and she hired like she hired me and she wanted me to start the next day wow. and uh so i started working for her right away and i've been working for her the past three weeks this is gonna be my fourth week coming in the pay is exactly what i wanted it's everything that i needed right now it is really everything i needed but i'm excited about where it's gonna take me next you know mm -hmm. i'm already excited about that i'm like I feel like this is this is exactly where I need to be right now, you know, 
to get me to the next level or whatever. And it's, I'm just so grateful. Um, but I never thought like last year I was singing in the park and now I'm like in a freaking full-time position, <laughs> like working for like, it's just crazy. Like I would never, I, if somebody told me last year that I would be right here now, like I would never believe them, you know? Yeah. So what a crazy experience, changing. what a crazy life. Yeah, like just the That's... trajectory of your life and how all of this happened and obviously you... oh i have more i have more I'm sure we just you didn't talk about it sure you do. <laughs> but just what you talk i just don't about. want to keep you because i could talk to you we would need like a six-hour podcast <laughs> talk about everything and even then even then i probably wouldn't be able to you know i don't know what your time limit is <laughs> but just thinking of the first decision you made for yourself that was scary that led you to where you are today is so powerful because it led you to making other scary decisions and yeah. growing and just you know becoming and the crazy because that wasn't even the first crazy decision that wasn't even the first scary decision if i really really think about what my first scary decision was ever that i made for myself to get me to where i am it was when i decided to get a job behind my dad's back when i was 14 oh. and my dad i just got my working papers my sister was a little older than me so she was already working and i was like i want to be like her i want to get a job so i could be out the house you know <laughs> and she was working her first jobs were like she did a bunch of Stuff, but like that's how she was working in restaurants because she was still in school and i was like talking to my sister and i'm like i want to get a job and she's like you're too young to get a job and i was like well i'm gonna get my working papers next year and i want to start working and i want to be out the house and i want to have freedom and she's like well all right maybe i can get you a job at the restaurant i'm working at and then i was like well i asked my dad and my dad was like no i don't want you working you just go to school you're a girl you shouldn't be working like you should just be going to school like you should be focusing on school so he did not want me to get a job and but then he would go to like Europe for a few months like sometimes out of the year and um because we have a villa in Montenegro so like he would go and like get ready for the you know for the season and all that stuff and like the minute he left I was like just get me the job I'm gonna start working while he's gone so that when he comes back I'll already be in it and he can't say nothing to me <laughs> mm -hmm. So he left for Europe and I went behind his back and I started working at the restaurant that my sister was working at. And it was an Indian restaurant. Oh. The first restaurant I worked at was an Indian restaurant. And I have to tell you, that was definitely the first decision, the first scary decision that led me to many things. Because just working at that restaurant, I still have connections with people that I met at that restaurant. Like, it's crazy. Like, my, like I said, my story is just... From the beginning, mm -hmm. it was always constantly meeting people. And that person like introduced me to this. And then I went to the next level and then the next and level, and the next job, and the next, you know, yep. it's nuts. <laughs> Life is crazy when you, when you do what your soul wants you to do. It really is. Like when you, you keep like suppressing that soul voice and you just do what you think you need to do. Then your life just doesn't feel, it just feels heavy and it feels like you're lost and but when you listen to that soul voice, it just starts to take you on all these roads that make sense. Yeah. And we didn't even get into the spiritual side because that's a whole <laughs> <other story. laughs> that doesn't even if you follow your soul voice, it doesn't mean you'll never run into like trouble or issues or anything like that. There's no such thing as a life like that, really. No, definitely. Because we're still human, like we're spirits, but we have to live in the physical world right now. So And there's lessons to learn. 
Yes. And I, you know, there's a lot of people in my life that I've encountered that are super spirit, like very spiritual, like very high healers. I, I don't know why I'm so blessed to know so many people that are very like high level healers, but a lot of them, when I speak to them, they'll tell me like, you know, they, sometimes they, they're so ascended that they feel like they're like that the, the physical stuff doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. But the truth is like, I always say like, you know, but there's the physical world still is yeah you're still gonna have struggles like you could be the best healer in the world you could be like the highest psychic the highest whatever but you're still gonna cry you're still gonna feel pain you're still gonna go through stuff you're still gonna come out of pocket it's gonna happen you know yeah. like so you can't be hard on yourself because of that like for being you know human. yeah yeah you're human at the end of the day even yep. if you're a spirit or a soul living a human experience like you're a human still human yeah and there's a reason why we're going through this the reason i do not know i don't think anyone does but mm -hmm. i believe that there is a reason why we have to go through like this trial period of life where we just have to like struggle you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and find there's a reason for it but we just don't know yet what it is yeah. you know I, I really feel that way yeah well thank you so much for doing <laughs> this thank you for your, no honesty, your vulnerability and everything that you shared was so inspiring i like got chills at times i felt like i felt your passion with everything that you're talking about it was genuine real and this is like why i do the show like especially with people like you who are being real and sharing things that will help other people not feel alone in their struggles and at the same time, be inspired by you. You're a very inspiring person. <laughs> thank you. So, I thanks. would love to do another. I really would love to do another episode with you because I feel like we could talk about so many things. But yeah, um, but I really appreciate you giving the platform and like having this conversation. Because and and we should totally hang out and talk even off the record because I feel like we would have a lot to talk well, about. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm gonna come to New York soon, and I have so many people I want to see while I'm there. Please, if you come to New York, you have to tell me because we I need will. to at least have or like go do something together yes. like i need to i need to like meet you face to face <laughs> yes and your sister <laughs> yes yeah for sure 100 <laughs> percent. Right. all right my love thank you so much no problem take care enjoy the rest of your day hey guys if you found this episode helpful in any way please share like subscribe send to your friends post on social media just anything that will help us spread the word and keep this show going. All right, thanks, bye.